You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. There are a lot of little boys around the country today who are watching this game. And, and, and they're trying to figure out what the definition, the definition of manhood is all about. Father, this is it right here. I pray that this game would be a training ground of what manhood looks like. That we would compete with fierce intensity, with the, with the honor and the gifts and the talents that you've given us. A, a number of fans, I heard from emails from all, all over the place because, you know, I was asked to lead a prayer. I, I think the people in, at Penn State were appreciative of the fact that Nebraska and symbolically the nation was willing to join them in the, in the difficult time that they were going through with having to deal with all of that news and all of the discombobulation that was, was happening. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, Nate Klaus, as we are getting closer to the start of it all. We are less than two weeks away now uh, from fall camp kicking off on August 2nd. Big Ten Media Days in Chicago, Monday and Tuesday. Robin, uh, Greg Peterson, and I will all be out there covering that. But we're going to start off this week's show with the news of the week, and that is Ron Brown coming back to Nebraska in a non-coaching role. But... Um, he'll be paid $180,000 as a director of player development. Um, and, you know, it's a kind of a created position. And I think that's really the difference now with these football staffs, say, even five, six years ago. Um, when you go back and study the staff five, six years ago, there was only one person on the staff besides coaches that made over six figures. Now you've got eight, nine, ten guys that can make over six figures on a coaching staff that maybe aren't even coaches. Um, so it allows you to have the creativity to bring back someone like a Ron Brown. Um, but it's generated a lot of discussion naturally because Ron Brown is a guy with a lot of opinions. He's uh, made a lot of things, but um, you can't take away what he's meant to Nebraska football the last 30 years. Um, you know, 24 years of coaching in the program. Um, he's, um, you know, come back uh, multiple times now. When Solch was fired, he came back after that when Pelini came on. And now he's back again with Scott Frost, who he coached at Nebraska. And um, it's an interesting move, Robin, as you kind of analyze it. But um, I think one that makes a lot of sense for kind of what they want to do as far as building that culture of what Nebraska football is. Well, it definitely falls in line with getting things back the way they used to be. And there's probably not uh, very, very few uh, coaching candidates out there that have the ties to Nebraska and its rich history that Ron Brown do. So in that sense, it makes total sense. And his relationships with Scott Frost, with Matt Davison, uh, I mean, there, there's – about as strong as you can possibly get and so um, this definitely you know makes sense in a lot of ways that you have bring in someone with that um, knowledge and experience and understanding of what Nebraska football is all about um, who has that chemistry and that relationship with um, very high profile people within the program and so yeah it definitely as far as creating um, or reestablishing that culture of what Frost and, and his staff want Nebraska football to be about uh, Ron Brown fits the bill to a T so um, there's going to be some criticism obviously uh, some of the stuff he's done off the field has created a lot of headlines um, some you know not so good but uh, I think from a football standpoint uh, you probably couldn't get a much better hire for this position and um, what's interesting is the, the guy that held this title before player development was James Rogers and he was making about $50,000 so um, a significant upgrade to what this title uh, now represents at Nebraska yeah I'm really interested to see 
you know, exactly, you know, what all the, the job entails, you know, I know player, you know, director of player development is the title and, and, you know, he's going to be involved with life skills and, and things, um, you know, surrounding the players off of the football field, but uh, to what degree, um, you, know, I, you know, I know that Ron Brown has a reputation of being a great mentor as a coach and, and now he'll be able to do that, um, you know, in this current position, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how he does away from coaching. And another facet of all this is that um, Scott Frost took the associate head coach uh, from away from Turner Gill. So, I mean, that's... Well, he had left the staff a long time ago, though, right? It wasn't like he just left. He was not on the staff. Um, when you were with those coaches from Liberty, was he, didn't he already had left the staff? No, I'm, I'm unsure on that. Yeah, I know I, somebody had told me on our like where did Ron Brown go? He, he left Turner Gill staff. Oh, I guess I didn't I didn't realize that he had already left their staff. So he was a free agent. Yeah, he okay. he, he had been off of Gill's staff, um, and so I was curious, kind of what a lot of people were asking, what what, what, what what did that mean? So yeah, I'd be I'd be wondering how long this was in the works. Okay, yeah, yeah, this probably was in the works then for for quite a while. Well, he was on campus this uh, spring uh, visiting, mm-hmm. so I mean, this obviously had been in touch with Frost and company. For for a while now so obviously maybe within uh the confines of the programs was something that had been in the works for a while now you're listening here to the husker online show sean callahan uh robin washett and nate klaus and yeah i'm finding a story here uh trying to figure out when he actually left the liberty staff but um i think nate when you look at this bob welton had a job a, pre- a pretty high significant position on the staff as uh, really the overseer of all the recruiting operations they have not filled that job they did not they chose to go in a different direction uh, kind of reworking parts in the department um, and I think in the grand scheme of it Ron Brown probably got Bob Welton's salary yeah I think that's where the the salary probably comes from uh, because you're right Bob Welton did have kind of a high profile gig there in the the recruiting office being the director of recruiting overseeing all the the recruiting operations and instead of hiring somebody new for that job like you said they, they kind of divvied out all of his uh, um, you know all of his responsibilities amongst the people that were already in that office um, you know to, to kind of handle things and um, yeah I don't I don't know I mean <clears throat> I think Ron Brown's going to do a good job um, I think that that uh, you know, obviously, this is a role that he's comfortable with. He, he's he, he likes being around you know around young young football players, young young guys, uh, and help mentoring those those people. Um, and it's probably you know if you're going to be away from coaching, um, this is probably the best gig uh, that you could really ask for, uh, making this type of money, being back at a familiar place like Nebraska. And it was announced that uh, Ron Brown left the staff at the end of June, so he's. He's been off a of Turner Gill staff for about a month, okay. um, and he was replaced by Mike Brown. Ah, well, the Husker tree keeps on giving. <laughs> uh, but what we, what we do know is that he will be uh, working primarily with off-the-field stuff, um, you know, life skills, community outreach, and um, just kind of being um, you know, the guy that helps guys get it figured out, you know, outside of football, just dealing with academics and, you know, personal stuff. Um, but I think also another big part of his role is just going to be uh, another resource for Scott Frost. Um, you know, he's been surrounding himself um, with a lot of people that mentored him when he was a player. And I think having someone you trust who has been around it for uh, the better part of almost three decades, um, that's invaluable wisdom when it comes to basically dealing with anything the football realm is going to give you. So uh, I think that obviously working with players is going to be a big part 
of Ron Brown's role here, but I think maybe more importantly when it comes to the football stuff, uh, going to be a resource for Scott Frost is going to be one of his primary responsibilities. And before I get fact-checked on here, it's not the Nebraska Mike Brown. It's Liberty's Mike Brown who played in the (laughs) NFL. So I don't want to get fact-checked on the board. Uh, The Mike Brown we all know is not replacing Ron Brown at Liberty. It's a different Mike Brown, but nonetheless, um, you know, the timing of when Welton left, you, you, you wonder, Nate, that if the seed was planted, you know, back in late spring um, to kind of get this thing moving. And then he, he kind of finished out his contract at the end of June. Yeah, it all makes a lot of sense now because uh, I think Ron Brown's visit to Nebraska was right around the time that, that Bob Welton was was either talking with Alabama uh, to get that job or, or had already accepted and was kind of already had one foot out the door. Um, you know, and then I know that uh, you and I – kind of came around some information that they weren't going to replace him, um, you know, and so this hire, you know, essentially make it or taking Bob Re- Reallocates yeah, the money. Reallocating his money. Uh, I mean, it all makes sense. So I'm sure this is something that's been in the works since since last spring. Well, Nebraska's coaching staff kind of getting off the road for vacation. They'll be back in this week uh, starting to get ready for the start of the season Big Ten media days as well on Monday and Tuesday. And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back. Uh, Robin Washett, Nate, and I will uh, discuss some of the things uh, we'll be watching in Chicago. Then later here in the show, we're going to wrap up our Top 40 series, um, our most significant Huskers going into the 2018 season. Uh, Then we're going to talk some basketball with Robin Washett. Tim Miles made two more in-state offers in the state of Nebraska this last week. That's now three in-state offers made since May 29th. It's the most we've seen since the early 2000s, and we'll get Robin's thoughts on that as well as some more recruiting talk with Nate. That's all in this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. But when we come back, uh, we're going to talk some Big Ten media days. That's next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Big Ten Media Days will kick off in Chicago, downtown at the Marriott on the Magnificent Mile. Uh, Starting around noon on Monday, uh, Commissioner Jim Delaney will kick things off at 1130 a.m. Central Time. Then it will be led off by Nebraska's Scott Frost. He'll be the first coach up on the stage. Um, He'll do about 15 minutes, I think, on the stage is what they schedule for the coaches Um, And then they do a side interview and then a number of kind of smaller table sessions and national interviews. So it will be um, interesting to kind of see what comes out of that with Scott Frost. We know one thing. He's been very opinionated. Um, He'll tell you what he's thinking and he'll give some takes. I I predicted this week, there's no doubt in my mind, he's going to say something that really moves the needle um, when asked because he doesn't sugarcoat. He typically tells you what he thinks. Now, Nebraska will have Gerald Foster Stanley Morgan Jr., Mick Stoltenberg. Um, those will be the three players in Chicago representing the Huskers, all seniors. I'd be curious as well to know kind of what went into the thought process um, of which players to bring. Um, Aaron Williams did go last year for Nebraska, as did Mick Stoltenberg, right, Robin? Yep. Both. So uh, Mick, a rare um, two-time representative at the Big Ten Media Days. No quarterbacks for the Huskers, no running backs. Um, you know, all seniors. And I, I'm guessing, Robin, that was probably 
one of the things they looked at. Let's try to get three seniors out there. That's how it should be. I mean, obviously, uh, there's certain exceptions. I mean, if you have a quarterback pushing for a Heisman Trophy or something who's a sophomore, then sure, bring him. But um, I like the idea of making seniors be the representatives of your team. For one, it's kind of an honor. Uh, Guys that have paid their dues, um, have been a face of the program for three and four years, and get that opportunity. That's a a pretty cool deal for a kid to be in that spotlight at that setting – um, you know, obviously some guys get more attention than others, but um, to, to you know, put on a suit and go up there and you know, go to Chicago, stay in a nice hotel and um, be the face of your, your football program for a couple of days. I mean, I think that's a pretty fun honor. And uh, uh, I guess with, with Stanley, um, that was the, probably the least surprise of any of those. And what's going to be interesting to watch, um, not only with this, you know, media days, but on through the rest of the season is how Nebraska continues to push him on the forefront of the national stage when it comes to uh, postseason honors, you know, all American teams, all Big Ten teams. Because really, when you look at it, maybe outside of Amir Abdul a little bit, um, Nebraska hasn't done much marketing for its individual players. I mean, even going back to Ndamukong Sue, a lot of stuff that he got was just earned from being so good that people couldn't ignore him. I think you're going to see a lot more uh, just. Um, intentional just branding of Stanley Morgan. Remember the Amir battery pack? Yeah. Did I you mean, get so, one? Yeah, I did. I still have my battery pack. I, I think I used them for a tape recorder. Oh, but. you used them? <laughs> you got to save them. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how Nebraska continues to push Stanley Morgan and if they're going to make him uh, be in the spotlight more, whether that's, you know, making a weekly appearance at the pre- uh, press conferences, um, doing more national interviews, because he's got a really charismatic personality. But he doesn't do a lot of interviews, and when he does, he's usually short-spoken. So um, that's one thing I want to see how he handles himself um, on this stage and how that carries over on through the rest of the season. Yeah, I think the guys that that go to Chicago, you kind of want those guys to be the voice of your team, um, be the face of the team. And and for the most part, I think it all makes sense to to have these players there. Obviously, Stanley Morgan, like you were saying, Robin's got – um, you got a lot of accolades and, and kind of has a chance to, to uh, be a national story, uh, certainly a conference story, but a national story too uh, this season. But then you got a couple of, of in state, you know, homegrown talents and Mick Stoltenberg and Gerald Foster going. Um, both guys who I think are, you know, have held a leadership role in the past and certainly, you know, as, as they enter this transition into this season, uh, I think they've been two guys that have, have played an instrumental role and in, in kind of, uh, being leaders and, and helping to develop some some younger guys too on that forefront. So, um, you know, I, I like the picks. I think they all make sense. You're not, no head scratchers, really. I guess uh, you know when you look at who they're choosing to take to Chicago. Yeah, it's a the roster for Nebraska. The makeup of it is is different because they're just other than Stanley, there aren't a lot of just older automatic guys you can mm-hmm. go with. I mean, J.D. Spillman would be in that category. But yeah, from a talent perspective. but He's, he's a sophomore. Yeah. And I don't think J.D. – I mean, he is good at the media, but he kind of shut her down um, he did. after a point. He, he did maybe one interview in the spring and a couple in the season, but he didn't really want – actually, he didn't do any during the season, mm-hmm. did he? No. So he, yeah, I don't believe so. He no. kind of kept a lower – Yeah, he was requested basically every week uh, post-practice and for whatever – he had a, had a class conflict or what, but I don't know. But uh, – Aaron Williams is probably the only other guy that I would think would be uh, maybe Tanner Farmer. Yeah, maybe Tanner Farmer, but you know, I mean, Dedrick Young, Freedom. No, yeah, I mean, so you're talking about a guys that, you know, again, probably aren't exactly suited for that type of role to be put in front of that many cameras and tape recorders. Yeah, and you know, you take three like Purdue's taking two quarterbacks out there. <laughs> That's interesting. Kansas State took two quarterbacks to Big Twelve Media Day. So when you have a quarterback battle and that is your story. 
um, that's a situation where, like, let's try to at least yeah. whatever's going to get us the most press, let's bring those guys out there. But David Blau is still at, at Purdue for, like, his 18th year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, how many years has David Blau been yeah, So there? they got Blau and Sindelar, right? Yep. But, yeah, Scott Frost is the only first-year coach in the Big Ten. Um, you think about the turnover. The SEC's had five coaches change over this year. Scott Frost is the only one here in the Big Ten. So, on top of what he did at UCF, coming back to Nebraska, he's the only new blood going into the Big Ten media days. Well, what I'm – it's going to be fun to watch is usually every year it's the Urban Meyer show and the Jim Harbaugh show, and it's just a massive crowd. Like, basically, when they leave the podium, the entire room leaves to follow them for the side session and their tables on the next day, um, you know, for the, the separated podium People are, interviews. like, camped at the table yeah, now. It, it's, like, ten deep, and it's, like, unbelievable, the, the pack that, that surrounds them. Frost might be the one other guy that could command that type of attention. Obviously, he's becoming a national media darling with his appearances on ESPN and um, you know doing all. Marty stuff. Smith, yeah, I mean doing doing those types of things. And so, and obviously, like you said, Sean in the open, uh, he's a guy that's not afraid to say how he feels, and that's exactly what you know reporters are looking for, and especially on the national stage. So, um, I think that. The, Finally, there's going to be another coach that's going to break up uh, that Harbaugh-Meyer love fest that we get every year that uh, you know could give Nebraska a little bit more attention in the spot national spotlight than we've seen the past few years. Well, and to an extent, James Franklin gets a lot of attention yeah. too. But, but nothing compared to those other guys. <laughs> what color will P.J. Flex pants be this year, Nate? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm more interested to know what kind of socks he's wearing uh, oh, than, yeah. than his pants. Um, but is Scott Frost beyond the how's it feel to be back home questions? or, or No, I mean, he will be asked. He's been the coach now for 229 days. I know, days. I know. But are we? Are, have we moved beyond the? You know, how's it feel to be back home? Or you know, how's the? How's it settling back into the old yes. stomping grounds? Questions. That will be one of the first questions in the the main podium, like in front of everybody conference session the real stuff that we always get is on the side so if you're watching it on tv and you're ro rolling your eyes and sighing at the dumb questions being asked up front it's because a lot of the local guys are going to wait to save their questions that actually have meat information for the side session yeah the upfront is more kind of a show it's yeah, made for to, tv to get on tv and then usually most of the higher profile reporters don't even ask questions up front they wait till the side and you get kind of a different blend of people yeah. that typically ask the questions up front. So, yeah, you will get the question, Coach, how's it feel to be back home at Nebraska? Have you settled in? <laughs> what does it mean to be coaching at Nebraska? Yeah, so we're going to get a lot of that up front, so be prepared when you're watching that on TV. Well, that all starts on Monday as Nebraska will kick things off at noon. Um, and really, it's going to be wall-to-wall -wall Nebraska from about noon to 5 um, Tuesday, there will not be any Nebraska things going on. I know Bill Moose, they're working on trying to get a availability set up for him as well. So maybe Tuesday or Monday, we'll get Bill Moose as well for a short session. Uh, why we are in Chicago, Iowa, and Wisconsin, though, uh, they will both go on Tuesday. So there'll be a lot of interest, obviously, um, even uh, with Nebraska fans, kind of what comes out of the media days with Iowa, Wisconsin. No Noah Fant, though. I was ho I was kind of hoping, Nate, we'd get Noah Fant in media days, but he won't be down Yeah, there. that's kind of surprising. I mean – might be another upperclassman thing. Yeah. I don't know how Iowa usually Kirk does Ferentz it. is pretty, you know, by pretty the salty by the by the book, and and probably doesn't want to step out of out of uh, his comfort zone a whole lot by bringing an underclassman. Your but, first round, your first draft round draft pick tight end, though. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, <clears throat> he's not like he's just some some fresh face. I mean, he's a pretty established guy, and and is getting a lot of <laughs> a lot of press, and uh, is going to be a, a well, you know, a talked about player uh, on the national scene. So. 
Um, you know, it would have made sense, I guess, to, to bring him, but we'll we'll see if uh, maybe maybe next year. Who knows? All right, when we come back, we're going to ship back over to our Top 40 Husker discussion. Um, Nate and I and Robin will uh, give our final thoughts on the top 10 players of this team and our, our poll that's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, continuing our discussion now of our top 40 Huskers as we are putting a final wrap on that discussion, um, our final top 10 guys. And um, instead of trying to go through each guy one by one and talking for 20 minutes, I'm going to have Robin. Uh, let's read out our final top 10. So go down 10 to 1, and then we'll kind of start the discussion from there. All right. Starting at number 10, Tristan Jebbia, quarterback. Uh, number 9, Breon Dixon, linebacker. Uh, number 8, Carlos Davis on the defensive line. Number 7, Brendan Hymas at left tackle. Uh, number 6, Tanner Farmer. Uh, at guard and then going in the top five Greg Bell uh, makes the list at number five uh, number four is Adrian Martinez quarterback and number three Mick Stoltenberg defensive line two J.D. Spielman wide receiver and the consensus number one wide receiver Stanley Morgan Jr. okay let's start with the quarterbacks um, number nine Jebbia right no number 10 number Jebbia. 10 Jebbia and true freshman Adrian Martinez, number four. number four. Neither has taken a snap at Nebraska, so you can't really be too critical of that. But um, I, I think it's it's it just tells you kind of where things are at right now. I think the expectation level with Martinez is growing by the day. Yeah, and as far as our voting is concerned, uh, uh, Greg, you, me, Nate, and Mike Matia, all were kind of in the same ballpark with you know the Jebbia uh, Martinez. I think a lot of us basically had them one after another, like ten nine, regardless. Or, yeah. yeah, regardless of the order. Greg Peterson, our videographer, um, had a bit different opinion on that. He had Adrian <laughs> Martinez as number two overall, where he had Tristan Jebbia twenty sixth overall so there is the number one reason why there is a six spot gap between the true freshman and the redshirt freshman quarterback so um greg shook it up he did he he, he skewed things a bit but um with with jebby's voting uh, sean you had him at 10th i had him at 7th nate you had him at 9th mike had him at 4th and then obviously greg uh was not nearly as high on him and then with uh, martinez uh sean you had him at 9th i had him at 6th nate had him at 8th mike had him at 7th so um Outside of Greg's, uh, you know, differing opinion, we all had kind of that same. You know, he's a top ten. They're both top ten players. Um, they're right next to each other. Uh, and then I guess it's a matter of you know what happens this fall to see if there's going to be any more gap uh, going into the start of the season. But I do think that the the general consensus is that things are trending towards Martinez right yeah. now. I, I how had, and when I had it Martinez happens. ahead, yeah. one yeah. spot ahead. Yeah, how and when it happens is is probably the biggest question mark right now. But I think, you know, just looking at the future. I don't think any of any one of us would disagree that Adrian Martinez is the guy. It's just it's just. A I think it played a factor why they didn't go after Joe Burrow. Yeah, well, absolutely, it did. Because yeah. Joe Burrow, if he came here, would have to start for two years. For two years, yeah. And then that could maybe disrupt things with Martinez or what if Martinez? I mean, so well, I, I, it stunts his progression. I mean, it stunts his growth. If you bring in Joe Burrow for two years, then you've got Martinez basically sitting 
sitting mm -hmm. behind him for two years and not getting a whole lot of experience. Now, I mean, I think that after what, what they did with McKenzie Milton or how McKenzie Milton's progression came about where they kind of they had him take his lumps his freshman year and then all of a sudden as a, as a true sophomore, he, he you know, turned it on. Uh, you know, I, I think that ideally they, they think that Martinez probably can, can do the same thing. Yeah, and so get this. So if Adrian Martinez does end up starting a game at some point this season, he'll be the first true freshman quarterback since Cody Green in 2009 to start a game as a, as a true freshman, a quarterback. And the only other person before that Tommy Frazier. was Tommy Frazier in 1992. Now, if he starts the season opener, he will become the first ever true freshman quarterback to start a season opener at Nebraska. So uncharted territory going into the start of fall camp for Adrian Martinez. That's why I, I lean towards this go with Jebbia out of the gates, but you know in that Akron game, maybe after two series, it's going to be Martinez. I mean, I don't. The thing is, they're not good enough to say that though. Like Nebraska football right now is, not, they're not in a position where they'd be like, "Yeah, we're going to rotate guys every two and Frost has already then, said they're not going to do it too quick. Yeah, he, he doesn't like doing said it. That too. Yeah. So I mean, they're kind of firmly against doing that because I don't think that does any good for anybody. The Akron game though is a, a game on the schedule. You would like to think Nebraska can get both those guys in. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if things go according to plan. I mean, regardless of who starts, you would like to see both get substantial snaps in that game, but. You know, we've talked about this before, um, looking big pictures. I mean, obviously, when you look at this season, uh, I think that you could make more of an argument for Jebbia because he's been he's done it for a year. Even as a redshirt, you know, he's gone through and seen a Tanner Lee go through a game week and what it takes to prepare uh, starting from, you know, Sunday to Saturday. Uh, so that's one thing Adrian Martinez doesn't have. But when you look at what next year could be, 2019, and that's Scott Frost himself is setting that up to be a pretty important season. Uh, I would make a, a, a much or make a pretty strong argument that you're better off giving Martinez a chance to just go through his learning curve this year, along with everybody else, and then hit the ground running in 2019, where you have your hand-picked quarterback of the future uh, with a full year of starting experience under his belt, uh, and you'll be primed and ready to go um, where there's going to be no acclimation period uh, for what could with be... With Wisconsin coming to Lincoln. Yeah, with it, Iowa it could be, coming to it could Lincoln. be a Big Ten championship season. Ohio State, do they come to Lincoln? I think they come to Lincoln, they in, come to Lincoln. As, as well in 19. So then you've got... That's the year, man. I mean, Oklahoma looming on the schedule yep. the next two years after that. And so I, I just think the long-term benefits of going with Martinez now outweigh what they are with Jebby. And that's not a knock against Jebby. I think it's more of a statement to how good Adrian Martinez could be. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I, I think that... I mean, Jebbia certainly has a lot of redeeming qualities and, and has the respect of the team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, this is a kid who's worked extremely hard um, and, and has impressed his coaching staff, too, really since from day one that, the, that these guys were hired. He's, he's impressed his coaching staff uh, an awful lot. But, um, yeah, when you look at the future, and, and I think that – I mean, that's certainly what Scott Frost seems to be doing. I think that he's – I mean, he's come out and said that this is, there's not going to be a quick fix to this thing and that, that they're, they got to do it the right way. Well, I think part of doing it the right way is more than likely putting in your, your quarterback of the future and, and letting him grow. Make and, sure he's ready, though. Yeah, yeah, make sure that he's ready to, to take on that 2019 schedule because that's the year, I think, where, where this team really could possibly turn the corner. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. And I want to shift over to receivers. When you kind of look at the numbers, Stanley Morgan, number one, J.D. Spielman, number two in our top 40. Then you got uh, Tyjon Lindsey, Mike Williams, 
Javon McQuitty and Jerron Woodyard, that group of six right there, is there a deeper, more talented group on this football team? I don't think there is right now. No, no question. And, you know, just on Thursday, both Morgan and J.D. Spielman were named to the Blitnikoff watch list. And so uh, the hype is going well beyond just uh, you know, around Nebraska. I mean, these guys are getting national attention, and deservingly so. I mean, they could end their careers as the two most productive wide receivers in Nebraska football history. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. Stanley Morgan, if he is able to even replicate what he did last year, is going to end his time as the number one receiver in school history. And then what we saw with J.D. Spielman, he already holds school records. Uh, And if he's able to continue his trajectory, which there's no reason to believe he can't, I think he's actually going to be on a much faster track with this offense to put up some huge numbers um, in that duck R role. And so um, I'm really excited about, you know, obviously this season, Stanley Morgan is going to be one of the best receivers in the big 10 and potentially one of the best receivers in all of college football. And JD Spielman is just, just scratching the surface on how good he could be in the Scott Frost offense, which I think is tailored perfectly to his skill sets. Yeah. When was the last time you Nebraska had a wide receiver in legitimate all America discussion? I mean, Um, Maybe Kenny Bell. Yeah, maybe Kenny Bell. But I I think I would argue Stanley Morgan is is on a different plane than Kenny Bell ever was at Nebraska. Uh, You know, and and the being on the Belitnikoff Award watch list is. I mean, that's not just a. Um, you know, I think everyone expected him to be there, and, and he's a guy who was going to make multiple cuts as they whittle that list down for sure. But Morgan will be the highest drafted receiver maybe in in recent history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously Irving Fryer will never be. A, I mean, he was yeah. number yeah. one, <laughs> number one overall. <laughs> but, but in recent in recent history, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, um, you know, but it, to your point, Robin, on J.D. Spielman, I mean, boy, what's the the sky's the limit for him with with what he's already accomplished, mm-hmm. and then you throw him into this type of offense um, that utilize, you know, could that could utilize him in so many different ways. Um, you know, who knows? That Amir Abdullah all-purpose yard record uh, yeah. could. Could maybe I mean be he, in jeopardy he had fifteen hundred all-purpose yards last year, and I think he was underutilized last year. Yep. So think about that. All right, well, lots to talk about as uh, we will continue this discussion of the team uh, with Big Ten Media Days next week. But when we come back, we're going to talk some basketball recruiting as Tim Miles and the Huskers made two more in-state offers this last week, giving them three now um, out there. Um, that's the most we've seen in Nebraska since the early two thousands. We'll get Robin Washett's thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, now Robin Washed, as we are going to talk some basketball recruiting, and it is the heat of the July open period. And, Robin, I've been that guy that's been banging the in-state drum um, the last several years. Why aren't they going after more of these guys? Why aren't they getting them at Nebraska? Well, Tim Miles has gone on a little run here of making offers around the state. It started back in late May, um, right before Memorial, or right after Memorial Day weekend. Chucky Hepburn was offered um, by the Nebraska staff, a 2021 Bellevue West point guard. Then this past Friday in New York at the um, Adidas Gauntlet Tournament, uh, the staff was there. They offered a Cole a rope 
um, a 2020 forward kind of slash player from Creighton Prep, and then a 2000. I'm sorry, 2019, and then yeah, 2000, 2020 Lincoln North Star God guard Donovan Williams, the brother of Bryson Williams, now at Wisconsin, a Lincoln Southeast football player. Um, your thoughts, first of all, Robin, on just kind of what has played out with Nebraska basketball on the in-state recruiting scene? Well, yeah, I mean, if you go back to Chucky Hepburn from Bellevue West, um, uh, you know, they've been really active in-state. And I think part of that is there's a really good group of young in-state talent coming up the ranks. I'm starting – in 2019 with Coca-Cola Rope. But um, two, I think that, you know, you just got to credit a a shift in philosophy a little bit to Nebraska being um, not so hesitant to go after in-state players. I mean, obviously uh, they've done it before and they've been burned. You know, they got Deverell Biggs and ended up kicking them off the team. They tried to recruit Akoya Gao like 18 times and it never worked out. Um, And then, you know, there's guys that probably would have been potential prospects that didn't qualify academically and had to go the prep school route. And then guys like Creighton ended up benefiting from that. So um, I think that you're starting to see them, you know, be more willing to take risks, not risks, uh, to extend those offers earlier in the process and just, you know, be more active in state. And we'll see how it pans out. You know, obviously they're just offers. They haven't signed or got a commitment from anybody, but um, I think that you're seeing a a change in philosophy. And a part of that is assistant coach, Michael Lewis. Um, He's kind of taken over um, the in-state recruiting and you're you're seeing him being a little bit more active in going out and seeing guys, you know, he's going to games, he's going to tournaments. Um, You know, he and miles were front and center in New York, watching all those guys play. So uh, I think that's another layer in this so um, you know we'll, we'll see how this plays out uh, you know over the next few months and you know next year or so um, but I'm really interested in seeing what happens with a coal, a coal rope um, yeah. go ahead John yeah you're listening here to the Husker Online show and you kind of study the in-state offering of Nebraska Robin it really there hasn't been a run like this since 2001 and 2002 when we were back in college I mean it's hard to believe um, you know Jake Muhlheisen uh, signed with Nebraska in 01 that same year John Turek who played in a, in a you know primarily Nebraska competition uh, from Council of Laws Abraham Lincoln he was co- coached by Bruce Chubbuck senior um, they both signed then in 02 uh, Collier signed Wes Wilkinson Jason DeRusso and Roy Enright and you can argue of those group of players all but Roy Enright were you know productive Husker players mm-hmm. but since that period Nebraska has not signed a high school player mm-hmm. out of the state now they've Taking one after that, um, uh, Deverell Biggs. Yeah, they got Biggs. As a, a Juco, and they've had some in-state guys transfer yeah. as walk-ons that have earned scholarships. Yeah, Drevo and uh, Drake Baronic eventually came in and got scholarships, but they weren't recruited out of high school. But, yeah, you, you look at just the landscape, and Nebraska basketball has been turned down by Akoya Gal, Elliot Eliason, uh, Mike Gazelle from South Sioux City. Um, those are the three that notably come to mind. Yeah, and, you know, Justin Patton, you know, he was never on the table. You know, no one was recruiting Justin Patton. Creighton got him, and then he committed he their team on, camp. on the spot. So um, he was never even available. He wasn't even a prospect until Creighton offered him. And then uh, Kyrie Thomas, uh, that's probably a little bit different situation. Nebraska was involved to an extent. Uh, but because, you know, he wasn't an automatic qualifier out of high school, you know, had to take the prep school route, uh, Nebraska backed off. And Creighton stayed with him, and they got him, and they got a first-round draft pick out of it. So um, Second round. Oh, yeah, second round. Sorry, second round. And so, you know, I mean, that's kind of been part of this whole conversation is that, you know, why is Creighton getting all these in-state guys and turning them into NBA players, whereas Nebraska is not even, you know, quote-unquote trying? Well, they're trying now. Uh, They've offered three in-state players from three different classes, and they're all been, you know, they've got two in the metro area and one out of Lincoln. And what's interesting about Jake Muehlheisen, he's the last Lincoln player to sign 
sign with Nebraska. So it's been since 2001 since there's been a Lincoln High School athlete to sign with Nebraska. And so Donovan Williams of Lincoln North Star potentially could end that streak. Now, That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it is unbelievable. And part of that is just a lack of talent. I mean, there's it hasn't been any D1 high major Matt players. Hill. They missed on Matt yeah, Hill. Yeah, that's, that's definitely the first one that comes to mind. But, I mean, it's been few and far between of just even prospects. And so, you know, they got luck. Hopefully, you know, Williams can emerge into that. But I think the metro area is something that Nebraska has to do a better job of targeting, especially with the recruiting restrictions they're already facing. And Sharif Mitchell – Omaha Burke now at Another Sunrise Academy um, kind of went the Kyrie Thomas mm-hmm. route. He just committed to Creighton as well. So the 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 movement on the in-state front for hoops has been as big as we've seen in a while. And it's just, it speaks more, I think, to just the, the level of talent. I mean, there's there are a lot of elite players that are coming up through the ranks and at, at a number we haven't seen in a long time. You know, there's been players that have been good enough, but it's always been like two or three guys. Now you're starting to see a pretty good crop of guys, not only in just one or two classes, but at least over three classes that are coming up the ranks that might change the dynamic of the level of talent that Nebraska is able to recruit within its state borders. Well, and here's the difference now with Creighton compared to Nebraska. Years ago, they were in the Missouri Valley and, you know, one bid league, maybe a two bid league. Um, in a lot of years, and you know they, they weren't playing that competition. Now they're a full-fledged Big East team. They're an established brand that gets 18, 17,000 fans per game. Um, so for Nebraska to beat them head up, it's just not easy to do anymore because all of those kids in Omaha, they don't come. I mean, I grew up in Omaha, and the landscape of basketball in that city has yep. changed. Kids go to Creighton games. The, the, the people are calling them their dream school. Like uh, you, you get, Sharif Mitchell said it was his dream school to go there. Chuck, Chucky Hepburn said it was a uh, like a dream to be on, offered by Creighton. And so there's kids that in that metro area, I mean, that's the home city team. And they grow up you know, reading about Creighton, watching Creighton on TV. Uh, basically, that be, knowing that that is when it comes to basketball in the state, Creighton is the elite program. And so that's an uphill battle that, like you said, especially since Creighton moved to the Big East, Nebraska's had to overcome. And they'll have to continue to overcome until they can get on that same level of on-the-court success that Creighton has right now. The closest analogy would be like Marquette in Wisconsin. Kids in Milwaukee maybe follow Marquette and not Wisconsin Badger basketball yeah. to an extent. I mean, but Wisconsin Badger basketball yeah. has obviously been Sweet 16 every year. But, the, you know, it's, it's just hard to find kind of dynamics. But yeah. once Creighton moved to the Big East and the winning that they've had and now NBA draft picks – that gets a lot of kids' attention, and and you, you just you hope that of this group of guys, they can get a couple of these players. Now, a, a guy like um, a rope, he's going to probably make his decision here sooner rather than later. Yeah, probably this fall. Um, obviously, his recruitment has really just taken off uh, starting last weekend. Uh, you know, he really didn't hold any offers. I think. Omaha. He's got was, eight offers. Now. Yeah, was was his best offer, and so um, things have really picked up for him, uh, you know, since his breakout weekend in New York, and so that may potentially incline him to hold off and push it towards the spring. But a lot of these kids like to commit in the fall, uh, and so you know maybe he want to get that out of the way. Um, you know, similar to his brother who committed a, going into his sophomore year. And speaking of his brother, obviously he's the younger brother of Agwuka Rope, um, who committed to Nebraska back in 2014. Um, he was a 2018 recruit, and then things just – he had that knee injury, and things kind of fell apart. Um, Nebraska wanted him to go the, the prep school route. He didn't necessarily like that idea, um, and Nebraska caught a lot of flack for it. Well, he takes and ends up taking a prep school route and gets a bunch of offers and is at San Diego State now. And according to Cole, 
A Gwook situation with Nebraska has zero impact in his recruitment. And with Bryson Williams to an extent, too. Um, you know, with, or sorry, with Donovan. Donovan Williams, his older brother Bryson, uh, you know, obviously he had some hard feelings about not being recruited heavily enough to Nebraska's football team. He said that has zero implications in his recruitment. So um, while there are some backstory lines with both of those guys, I don't think either of those are going to play a factor in whether or not they choose to commit to Nebraska when all is said and done. Now, Cole wrote, would he be more of kind of a – a swing guy. I yeah, mean, he's, he's not a he's not a shooting guard. He's shorter, you know. He's he's in that six five. But he plays six, bigger. Six range, but but Nebraska really likes. It. Obviously, he's a freak athlete. Can jump out of the gym. You watch him dunk. I mean, he gets his head above the rim. Um, just Scott, you know, bounces for days. But his defense, I think, is really what separates him. I mean, they think that he can guard one through four, uh, and I think that's that's is something that's going to add a lot of value, especially with the priority Nebraska places on defense, particularly perimeter on-ball defense. So um, on a defensive standpoint, he, they feel he is definitely good enough uh, to play at the Big Ten level, and if he can continue to develop that jump shot, which is probably the one thing that he needs to work on the most, um, he could put himself in a position to be a really good player at a high major level. Well, I think he's different, too, than a lot of Smart guys we've kid. seen. Yeah, I mean, he is – you know, he went through that academic environment at Creighton Prep now the last three years, and um, you, you can't just, you know, fake your way through that. I mean, it's a very, very tough school yeah. academically. And there were questions on whether he would, you know, be able to make it at Creighton Prep, and he's certainly proved those right. doubters wrong, and he's done a great job. And that's what makes him different than some of those other kids. I mean, because Omaha's had a lot of guys. They've had players that, that have not qualified. Legit D1 prospects not, I mean, yeah. that couldn't make it because like, they weren't good All those central guys on that team, yep. I mean, that was a legit. the reason they all went Juco. So, it, it, you know, a cola rope, you know, props to him getting that Nebraska offer right now. It's his only major offer he has. Drake just recently came in as well with Darren DeVries, their new coach, mm -hmm. former Creighton assistant coach. Um, but it will be fun to watch kind of how this all plays out with these new in-state offers. All right, when we come back, we are going to uh, discuss more recruiting thoughts with Nate Klaus. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus talking recruiting as the month-long dead period is about to come to an end, and um, teams will be able to start hosting prospects here uh, later in the week next week. Uh, but before we get to you know visitors that are going to slide onto campus here before the start of fall camp, Nate, uh, let's get to the news that did break involving the 2018 recruiting class. Um, Willie Canty will go play junior college ball for our friend Jeff Sims. Uh, Independence, right? Uh, Garden City. Garden City, I'm sorry. Garden City uh, down in Kansas. And, man, just another blow to the tackle position. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know what Nebraska thoughts were when they took him. Um, I think a lot of people knew that he was going to have a ways to go academic, academically, and it obviously didn't work out with Willie Canty. Yeah, you know, I feel like with Willie Canny, I feel like they they saw him as a guy that that they were willing to kind of roll the dice on because um, they could at that point. Yeah, well, they they needed an offensive tackle, but at that point in the game, there weren't a lot of quality offensive tackles out there. So, do you take a reach on somebody who is going to be a big time developmental project, um, or that you know may may be a fringe Nebraska guy, or do you go on on a player that has a ton of upside that could definitely be an impact guy at Nebraska, um, you know, in a year or two in the system. 
but has some academic concerns. And so I think they, they decided to roll the dice on Willie Caney. I don't know that they were ever necessarily uh, 100% expecting him to make it, but they thought that there was a good chance that, that he could do so. Uh, well, he fell short on, on, on being able to qualify. Uh, but it's not the to me, it's not the worst thing because, um, I mean, on one hand, yeah, you lose another offensive tackle uh, from, from your roster potentially, but at the same time, he wasn't going to be a guy that was going to come in and play as a true freshman or even be a depth guy as a true freshman. I mean, he was still going to need to spend a year, maybe two, in, in the weight room with Zach Duvall before he, uh, before he was able to really reach that potential and, and see the football field. So, um, so now that he doesn't make it, you're able to send him to, to Garden City and, and in hopes to, to get one of their offensive tackles in return. You know, they're, they're after uh, Bamadeli Olaseni, uh, who I think is, is one of the top overall junior college offensive tackles in the country. Um, Nebraska was one of the first teams to offer him early, early in the spring. It really, I think maybe even dating back to like last January, last February. So, um, you know, in a lot of times the way it works is you kind of have to grease the wheels. In order to get a guy out of a junior college program, you need to be willing to send them somebody. And and here is is maybe that kind of playing out where Nebraska is sending Willie Canty uh, to Jeff Sims down at Garden City and, and in hopes to – You could to, trade them for each other exactly. at one point. And so you get – you know, if this helps Nebraska get Ola Senni, um, who's going to be a guy that could step in and play right away, be on campus in December. You give one to get one. Yeah. And then in two years – And I you think, get one back. Yeah, you get one back potentially. So I think in the long run, um, this could really help Nebraska. And uh, really, I, I don't know that it, it necessarily hurts them because, like I said, Willie Canty wasn't going to be a guy that was going to step in and play – you know, this year or maybe even next year. Anyway, anyhow. no, Nate, two years in JUCO though. That's that's like a hundred years. I mean, yeah, like, it really I mean, is. A lot, a lot, a lot happens happen in two years of JUCO football. Yeah, because I mean, who was the last guy that Nebraska placed at a junior college that actually ended up coming back to Nebraska? It might be Ricky Henry. I mean, that might be seriously. I think that is. Yeah, you got maybe a one in ten chance of getting your guy back. Yeah. And, who and are those two receivers that Bill Callahan Roderick took? Hunter and uh, Nickens. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, Mickens, Broderick Hunter. I'm, I'm and they sent him at Butler. Sent him down to Butler, and then they didn't want him back. And that ended, like, the relationship Nebraska established with Butler because yeah. they never got those they, – they got all those guys at Butler. They sent Butler, and Butler protected those guys, and Nebraska just kind of dumped them. Yeah, they yeah they didn't they didn't recruit him back. Um, yeah, Coach Morrell there at Butler, who's no longer the head coach there, but who was the head coach at Butler for a long time, um, did not, not happy. Yeah, was not happy with Nebraska, um, and that kind of fell. If I remember correctly, I think that kind of fell on Bo Pelini's shoulders um, out of the gate there uh, when when he first took over, because that's when they were coming out of. Uh, it was Callahan still because one still? of them went to Iowa State. Yeah, I think Mickens. I think Mickens went to Iowa State. I don't know. I, yeah, but yeah, that kind of severed some some uh, some connections at, at Butler Community College there when Nebraska placed those guys and, and they protected them and and then they never really recruited them back. So, um, but I think that I think that this could be 
the the start of of uh, Nebraska being able to to pull a couple guys out of Garden um, and and to kind of rekindle that relationship with Jeff Sims because he's been a guy who's sent a, a lot of really good players to Nebraska now when he was previously at Fort Scott you know Nebraska got Levante David and Jamarcus Hardrick and Stanley Jean Baptiste and um, and and uh, Brandon Kinney all those guys came out of Fort Scott under Jeff Sims and. Um, you know, and obviously he's, almost Jason Vieira Paul. Yeah. And also, yeah, yeah, that's a whole, that's another segment for another time. But, uh, uh, but yeah, almost JPP too. But, um, you know, I think that there's, I mean, he, he has a connection with Nebraska. He likes Nebraska. He's a Nebraska guy. He's not shy about it either. Um, and he worked with Javon DeWitt at Florida Atlantic. They have a great relationship um, and Jeff Sims told me, he said, you know, Javon DeWitt is one of those guys that, that we, we know each other well. And he said, I can call him up and say, I have a guy that's going to help you out. And Javon DeWitt will take that information to Scott Frost and say, hey, Jeff Sims has got a guy that we need to go on. And, and Scott Frost will say, okay, let's offer him. Uh, so that's the type of relationship that he has. He doesn't have to, to sit back and wait for a team to go through their, their, you know, their offer process and, and finally hear back, you know, three or four weeks later later this is something that, that they can kind of act fast on and, and uh, you know Javon DeWitt is kind of the point man I know Ryan Held is the the Juco recruiter uh, you know the maybe the Juco recruiting coordinator so to speak but Javon DeWitt is uh, is maybe the point man on this Garden City deal you're listening here to the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan Nate Class as we talk some recruiting Nate now visitors can come back on campus starting this next week um, anything scheduled to your knowledge at this point with some visitors from Nebraska? Yeah, there's going to be a couple visitors coming up. And I think, you know, you want to start with the 2019 class. You look at uh, Rivals 250 wide receiver Jamison Williams out of St. Louis. Uh, the Cardinal Ritter, uh, you know, wide out is planning to visit Nebraska. He's got a top five and Nebraska's in that top five. He's not made it to, to Lincoln before though. So, so this is kind of a crucial visit. He's taken an official visit to, to Ohio state, uh, Oregon and Alabama are two places that he's visited, uh, unofficially already. So this is a, a big time deal for Nebraska. Um, I think he's planning to be on campus the August 1st and August 2nd. Um, and, or actually through from August 30th through August 2nd is what he told us. So, uh, so he's going to be on campus for a number of days and, and we'll more than likely be able to see Nebraska's first practice. Um, but uh, this is the opportunity for Nebraska to, to kind of to put their best foot forward with him and to lock in an official visit because in order to get him away from Ohio State or Alabama, Oregon, I think that, uh, you know, they, they got a lot of ground to make up here with this upcoming visit. Nate, as far as Logan Smothers goes, what's the latest on him? I know there was movement with him in Nebraska earlier in the summer. Is there anything more going into the season? Yeah, so with the latest with Logan Smothers, who is a 2020 quarterback out of Athens, Alabama. Uh, Nebraska is well ahead of the curve here in offering him in the spring. They got him on campus in, in June. Uh, I think right around June 13th, 14th is when he visited uh, with his dad, who's also his, his offensive coordinator uh, at his high school. Uh, and that visit went unbelievably well. Uh, in fact, he, he said he almost, you know, he thought about committing on that trip, but they, they had a couple other visits and a couple other camps scheduled. 
Um, Ohio State then, you know, kind of put on the full court press and trying to get him to campus and to work out at their Friday Night Lights camp and to do the unofficial visit and that whole thing. Uh, so they went ahead and did that. And it looked like Ohio State may be getting close to offering, but then they secured a commitment from from a top 100 quarterback in the 2020 class out of Arizona. Uh, so, you know, Smothers went from kind of – almost making a decision to kind of slowing things back down. And then now I think the feeling I get is that he's, he's kind of wanting to make a decision again. Uh, and he's planning to visit Nebraska with the rest of his family, with his mother and all of his brothers who have yet to been, you know, have yet to visit Lincoln um, here in, in the next week or two. And, and I think that that's a visit that could result in a commitment. Uh, so theoretically, Nebraska could have its t- 2019 quarterback with Luke McCaffrey and its 2020 quarterback all wrapped up before Scott Frost coaches a game. Yeah, even coaches a game, which is pretty incredible Ooh. if you think about it. Wow, there were lots to follow with all of that um, and much more in recruiting. But that puts a wrap here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 